Welcome to the Data Edwards podcast. And today we're doing part two of our dating discussion. And we are talking about raising the bar, sex, secrets, and low standards. Welcome to season three of the Jada Edwards podcast. You'll get a little bit of Bible teaching, some great stories, and some great interviews along the way. So conversations I've been having, I mean, forever. It's, uh, you know, sex is always a struggle for people who are unmarried, whether you're single, you got a boo or whatever the case may be. It's always been a struggle. I remember being a kid growing up in, you know, student ministry. We used to call it youth church. And back when I was growing up, purity was a big thing with, you know, we had purity rings and purity ring ceremony and commitments and promises and vows and all this stuff because sexual purity was such um, a big emphasis, you know, among high school and college students. I think I just remember all the scriptures that your body is the temple and, um, you know, sex is meant for marriage and all the, the ideas that we know to be true about scripture. And so they really leaned hard on abstinence and what purity meant and, and making that be a commitment that we made. Um, I also remember that somehow it began to shift between uh, stay pure and just don't get pregnant. And so I was like, well, well, which one is it? Because those weren't the same thing. And then I think as I got older, um, started to realize that there's much more nuance and more layers to what it means to really walk in a way that is true to what God says about who we are and the purpose of sex and things like that. And so I think as I got older, my idea, my emphasis moved from sexual purity to sexual integrity. And sexual integrity is understanding what God expects of us because because purity is something that seems to go off the table once you get married. But when you get married, you still need sexual integrity. So you're not pure anymore, but you, you still should only be having sex with your spouse. It still should be mutually enjoyable. Like sexual integrity uh, is a much broader approach, I think, to what God wants us to do with that. And so, you know, people ask like, well, what about, you know, spicy text messages? You may call it sexting or whatever the case may be. Now you, now people did phone conversations, phone sex. Like, I mean, I knew people who were like, well, it's not physical, you know, it's not intercourse. So what's all these ways we can work around uh, remaining virgins and, and still have sexual enjoyment. And that's the problem. When you focus on purity, you tend to focus on like physical intercourse, (laughs) sexual intercourse. And there's so much, so much that can bring about impurity or compromise integrity without having intercourse. And so, you know, really broadening that idea, I think, is really important. And so when you understand the base of who you are and how how God has asked you to conduct yourself as a believer, because like the rules about sex are not different than just the rules about life and how we how we love God with every area of our life, including our bodies. Um, when you understand those basic rules, those basic guidelines is really standards and understand God's intention uh, for sex, then you don't have to get into this checklist of we did this or we didn't do that. You don't need basis <laughs> for second and third base. You don't need, well, we I texted this, but we didn't touch, we didn't meet. Or I mean, like it's going to always be 
some new method, some new vehicle, some new way to find some kind of sexual fulfillment outside of God's plan. And it's not about the specific way that you do whatever you do. It's about a bigger understanding of what God's called us to. And so really it starts to me with the heart. Everything starts with the heart. There's something just, I mean, it's normal for our heart to desire uh, emotional connection, which really the intention of sex is an expression of intimacy and emotional connection, right? You can, you can do your, do your own study on that, but the intention of sex was not primarily physical. Uh, it obviously has physical pleasure. It provides procreation. It has these other benefits, but it was supposed to be a oneness and the epitome of oneness that comes from intimacy. And because humans have bodies, another way we express our oneness is physically. And so it's supposed to be this expression of what's in your heart for another person. And what's in your heart can't just be a lust. It's supposed to be something that is worthy of a commitment. But the truth is, you know, our hearts desire things. And it when we ask God, you know, Psalm 37, 4, which is used a lot and people say delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart Mm, yes uh but that word really just reminds us that God is a giver of good gifts that he is he understands exactly what our heart needs um sometimes our desire for emotional connection or some type of uh, relational connection shows up in sexual desire um Sometimes it's purely physical. We're going to get to that. But a lot of times there's a heart issue. There's a gap that we're feeling in our hearts. And we think that this type of gratification uh, is going to feel going to feel that void. And especially when it's not a purely physical desire, you will find yourself leaning more toward those um, gray areas that, you know, avoid physical intercourse, but still allow you to engage in you know, some kind of sexual fulfillment or gratification, even if it's heavy flirting, even if it's, you know, telling jokes that have a sexual that are sexual in nature. We find that we find ways to fill out, fill those desires in a lot of different ways. And so um, it's really not about God saying yes to whatever you desire, because we don't always desire good things. It's really about inviting God to guide our desires. Um, They're we're human. So you're going to you're going to crave stuff. Sometimes you want something sweet. Sometimes you want that cookie. <laughs> Sometimes you want to buy that item, those shoes or that piece of technology. And it, I mean, that's a normal thing. We want things. We want things all the time. But how we act on them, how we respond to those desires is really is really the issue. As a matter of fact, in, in Psalm 37, four, the word give, he will give you the desires of your heart. That is not we don't use that to say, well, God, you know, I want this. So you need to give it to me. Um, It really has a broad meaning. That word can mean to actually give or to bestow, to grant something, but also can mean to ascribe or to consecrate. So it's kind of like when you think about the heart issue. The reason I say it starts there is because you have to constantly check your own heart. And then when you do inventory on your heart, be honest with God. Lord, here's what my heart desires. I really desire sometimes, especially with women, uh, sometimes the desire is really companionship. And you get into a relationship where the person that you're with only wants 
companionship if it comes with sexual intimacy and you end up conceding going, OK, I'll do this because I really want the companionship or I really want the company. I really want to be in this relationship. So I'll make all these other concessions. And so aside from times where there's a pure physical drive, there's a lot of times where I think our hearts are inclined towards something bigger, something more meaningful. And we say, yes, we lower our standards to the lesser thing. So we can get a trade off for what we think our heart wants. But it's important to ask God to assign the desires of your heart. That's such a powerful thing. Like, God, I'm going to tell you what my heart wants, but I want to hand that over to you. And I want you to reassign me. I want you to I want you to guide my heart on what it should desire. And that is not overnight. One day you wake up and you never want sugar again. You know, like we wish that's a process. But to know that God is able to. Um, to speak into what your heart craves is important that he can actually come in and, and change our heart's desire. Because if you've grown in God, if you've matured in Christ at all, you have examples of stuff you used to crave. And now, even if you're not all the way out of it, you're like, I don't think about it as much, or I don't crave it as much, or that's not my go-to when I'm having a hard day, or I conduct myself differently. And for a while, you're just changing because it's the right thing to do behaviorally. But then over time, your heart actually begins to change. And the thing that might have made you use profanity with somebody six months ago or three years ago, now you're just like, I mean, whatever, that's them. They're struggling. <laughs> and, the, and the thing that might have drawn you into some type of temptation financially or like I said with sex whatever it may be I mean you can see progression when we begin to give those desires to God it's not denying desire that is a setup for a trap because if you keep telling yourself I don't want it that's not true you have to tell God I do want it will you help to reassign this thing that I want so that I crave something healthy that's that's what it is right it's the fruit of the spirit showing up in what we desire so it starts with the heart and you just have to know that there's a base level temptation that things that we want we're going to be tempted to go after right if you tell a child or a toddler you know don't touch that it's sharp don't play with that it's you know don't play near the stove it's hot that I mean most there's pl plenty of kids who are just going to be like inching their hand toward the stove to see how close they can get to the fire without being burned and without actually touching it. And if a child just set his hand next to the burner all the time, you know, two centimeters from the fire, you would still be bothered. You wouldn't be like, oh, well, at least he's not touching the fire. No. And God sees sex the same way. It's a much broader call to holiness than just um, avoiding physical intercourse. So whatever the desires of your heart are, especially if um, in this, as we're talking about this topic, if they're leading to sexual desire, hand that over to God. Like, be honest with it. Be honest with it. And when you act on it, when you make mistakes and mess up, don't deny it. Be like, God, I struggled. I failed. You know, I don't want to I don't want to stay in this place. I don't want to stay in this pattern. And, and God is faithful. But you have to be able to do the work and acknowledge where this may be originating in your heart, where it may just be originating in your heart. Secondly, I mean, we feel it in the flesh. Right. So sometimes the heart issue makes its way to showing up in our flesh some kind of way, i.e. the cookie, i.e. the extra piece of cake, uh, i.e. the the new outfit or the, whatever you're buying, it shows up in the physical. There's desire, you know, if you have a desire to want to be um, um, approved or feel successful or whatever, it may show up in how you spend your money. A lot of times things in our hearts manifest in the physical. Um, 
There are other times where it's just base desire. <laughs> like you just see somebody walking down the street. You do not know their name and you're like, uh, God is a good God. <laughs> you just see a good creation. Sometimes it's just a physical desire. So what do you do with that? But scripture tells us um, how we handle our flesh as well. You know, um, Paul talks about the deeds of the flesh in Galatians 5. And he says, here's how it shows itself. And this is going to sound so cliche, but every time there is a desire in the flesh, there is something that we're denying in the spirit. Because Galatians 5 says, if you walk in the spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. He's saying you cannot be indulgent. You cannot um, engage in immorality and and all the things that he lists. Right. That are just seems like this exhaustive list of horrible things that, that the flesh produces. He's saying you can't be engaged in that and walking in the spirit. So the there's an awareness that when I say yes to my flesh, when I eat the extra piece of whatever, when I do things I'm not supposed to be doing, when I spend my money, how I, how I use my body. When I'm saying yes to that, I have to be very aware that this is not some passive thing where the devil is trying to bring me temptation. This is my own flesh wanting to go against the heart of God. You, you just got to own that. This is my own flesh wanting to go against the heart of God. And I, because it's an impossibility to be walking in the spirit, and fulfilling the desires of the flesh, I have to acknowledge that even in that moment, even if it's just for a moment of weakness, that I denied the guidance of the spirit so that I could lean into my own desire. You just got to know that. And in some ways, that's very empowering to know that I don't have to try to stop doing certain things that, that are these deeds of the flesh, but I need to lean more into the guidance of the Holy Spirit and he will bring he will bring that healing and that restoration that we need. And so, yes, you're going to have physical desires. Um, but here's the thing about it. Um, one of the reasons that we have to pursue, that we have to really think about sexual integrity um, is because when we dabble in all these other things that may fall short of intercourse, you know, that, you know, the little secrets that we talk about, uh, it, they create memories. Here, here's the thing. The more you experience, the more you remember. So every time you have an inappropriate conversation or, you know, that flirting that, that, you know, is not healthy or whether it's engaging with pornographic material online or, you know, sending pictures to people like it's just such a broad range of things that we may engage in. It creates memories. Um, and the more you have, the more memories you have, the more you have to try to forget and ignore. Like that's a whole lot. I'm keep I keep adding things to my memory that I now need to work to not remember anymore because sometimes it just feels good. You know what the taste of that fresh pound cake tastes like. And so that's why literally your mouth can water when you walk by a certain food item because you know what it tastes like. You don't you don't feel the same about the pound cake if you've never had the pound cake. <laughs> but once you've had it, there's a memory now that you have to contend with. So you're you're creating um, a bigger battle every time you engage in those things because you're not just dealing with this base level heart desire or a base level flesh impulse or desire. Now you add, you got a memory. You know what it feels like. It felt good. Um, we were laughing because just a few weeks ago at our women's night of prayer, <laughs> one of our ladies got up and prayed. She was like, Lord, take away the memories we were praying for sexual integrity for our single women and she was like just take away the memories because those memories will get you they will get you and so 
one of the reasons that we have to really lean into sexual integrity and not take lightly those things that may fall short of intercourse is because we're creating memories. And that's more that you have to forget, more that you have to ignore. And can I tell you, memories don't go away at the altar. And so if God brings marriage into your life, it does not go away. Those memories come into the marriage. And so then you're you're having to contend with what God has created in your marriage with what you've already experienced. And so um, they will those memories will lie to you about pleasure. They'll make you think that it's some answer when really all it does is create more questions. It's just it is. I mean, it's a rabbit hole that you can go down with that. And so um, one of the reasons we pursue sexual integrity is because we want preservation of memory. The other thing to keep in mind is that anything short of um, anything short of integrity that says, if I'm not married, how do I constantly give my heart and my desires over to the Lord is kind of subtle ways to chip away at your integrity. And so, you know, purity becomes this word that, like I said, had started to have such a low standard that as you know, in a digital world, technology, all these things. I mean, what's really pure? Who is pure? If you've seen, you can be watching a commercial and, and now you're impure. I mean, it's, I think I see things on TV and I don't want my nine-year-old son looking at it. I'm like, why does it take all that to sell a hamburger? I'm confused. So it purity is not even really on the table for us anymore unless we're living in a cave. Now you're talking about integrity. What do I do um, with who God's called me to be? Because anything other than God's plan for sex inside marriage and even inside marriage is supposed to be an expression of intimacy and oneness and love It's not supposed to be, you know, lorded over It's not supposed to be abused. I mean, like even within marriage is there's a plan um, intentional that God has an intentionality God has for that. If it's anything short of that, it's counterfeit. It's counterfeit. It's not real. And so, you know, there's this reality as you're like, okay, is this what's really happening in this moment? If you're struggling with that or you're trying to wrestle with what's OK because, you know, you, you're tired. You've been trying to live right for X number of months or years or whatever. And you're like, oh, OK, God, I, sh- I should get a pass. <laughs> you got to stop and be really intentional about that, because is it going to be worth whatever um, unhealthiness it brings into your heart? Is it going to be worth the memory that it creates that you now will have with you forever and so um it just kind of chips away at who we are and when you think about this broader thing a couple of scriptures that you probably are familiar with but you think about Matthew 5 28 and Jesus basically raises the bar from physical intimacy and adultery to saying the lust in your heart he's saying the heart is the issue right this is the issue the expression of what we're doing is some indication of this hole in our heart, whether we want companionship or we want pleasure or we want to be married. So we're going to pretend in this moment or we just whatever. There's so many reasons that can drive us toward that, that um, that can end up in some kind of physical expression. And then he's basically saying, listen, if you have lust in your heart, you, you already, that is just as worthy of asking for forgiveness and repentance as it is to actually commit the physical act of adultery, because I don't want you to measure your quote unquote purity by your behavior. I want you to look at integrity and integrity is something that people don't always see. So I can, you know, I was thinking about uh, here in North Texas, there's a high school a very large high school, Allen High School, and they have like one of the largest stadiums for any high school football team. It's like a college. And I remember when that stadium first 
was was first built, it was like, you know, a wonder <laughs> of this part of Texas. People were coming by to see the stadium. It was massive. And then I want to say like less than two years, maybe a year after it was built, they found that parts of the stadium were beginning to crack. Like there was not um, um, good support in some of the structure. And they, 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 they call that the integrity of the structure is failing, right? And what's, what's fascinating when you think about that integrity, when you drove by the stadium, it looked the same. It was still beautiful and big and grand. And you would not have known. You would have had to be an engineer to know that the integrity of that structure was failing. And they had to close it. And it took a lot of money and a lot of time to go back in and try to strengthen the foundation of something that was already existing. And that's the same thing when it comes to our lives, especially with our sexual integrity. People are not going to always look at you and know how you're living or the choices you're making. Um, and it may not always show up in a pregnancy or, you know, a diagnosis. Like those are cases that may happen, but most of us um, can live the sexual lives that we choose to live without a lot of obvious consequence. And so, um, the integrity part of, of your sex life as an unmarried person really comes down to the engineer, right? God, the one who created it, him being pleased with how you're living, not just the evidence or what everyone else thinks. So that's why I say integrity is um, a greater goal, I think, than just the limitations of purity. So the last thing I'll say about this is that I think a lot of what we believe about sex and how we conduct ourselves in dating relationships still starts with identity. That's the foundation. This is not a checklist of behaviors. And you have to start with identity because as culture evolves, there's going to always be something that someone says, don't do this and do this. And, you know, if you kiss, you have to be dating this many months or you have to be dating this many weeks or you have to know you're going to get married. <laughs> or if you can you hold hands, can you touch? Does it have to be a group date? Can it be one on one? How often do you talk? How late do you talk? What do you talk about? Do you share your personal stuff? What age? do? You, what stage did you share that? Do you, do you cook for each other? Do you? It's. All of those millions of, you know, details of logistics and nuance and relationship rules, those need to be managed by hopefully someone that's in your business. If you're dating, someone needs to be in your business, um, especially if you can find a couple that has a healthy marriage. They need to be in your business. If not, y'all need community because community can help you navigate what works well for you. If they know your struggle, they're going to say, hey, you might not need to do that. And that behavior, cooking or cooking for each other might be fine for another couple. That's not that's not where they struggle. That's not the point. You, you can get into a million behaviors of what to do and what not to do. The issue is identity. Like that's the whole idea around integrity. And so you don't have to search sex in the concordance of your Bible to figure out what God has to say about sex because there's something much broader than that. When you think about who we are as believers, number one, he says, I'm your shepherd. Psalm 23, you shall not want. Nobody's thinking about Psalm 23 when they're talking about sexual integrity. But if you think about these truths that God is like, I provide, I'm your shepherd, you lack for nothing with me. And so you may have a physical craving, your heart may have a desire, but you have full joy, you have full abundance in me. If that thing is not fulfilled, if you deny it, if you say no to yourself, you're not going to die because I'm your shepherd and I keep you and I take care of you. And so we don't want to elevate our desire uh, and ignore the abundance around us. When I think about Genesis 3, I'm like, Eve, 
It was so much around you that you could have uh, enjoyed. But it's the one thing that that God is saying, I I don't want you to partake of this. Um, I want you to have everything else except this one thing. And sometimes it can feel like that when you're not married, like, oh, here's the one thing I can't have. And then that human nature kicks in where you start to be more consumed with your desire and you ignore all of the abundance that God has around you. And so um, just being aware of that. And Galatians 5 says, again, we're believers. We're led by the spirit. We lean on the guidance of the spirit in these moments. This is not just about who can come over and how late they can stay and how late we can text. Y'all, though, you're getting into the fine um, rules of something that if it's not built on a foundation of identity, you can check off all the rules and still not be living with sexual integrity. So um, thinking about uh, who God is as your good shepherd, the fact that we have abundance around us. And then here's the other thing that I, I the last thing I want to talk about when it comes to dating and particularly uh, sexual um, <laughs> engagement. I'm going to call it that because it's bigger than intercourse. We engage sexually a lot in unhealthy ways. Um, I think we have lost the idea of what what it means to honor, what it means to hold each other in high regard. You know, Philippians 2, 3 says you consider others interest as more important than your own. Right. There's this elevation that we're supposed to have for other people. But even more specifically, if you get into um, if you get into Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, here's how you conduct yourself with other people. Right. And I want you to listen to all these relationships because most of the time people skip to. Uh, the second verse, but I want you to listen to this. He says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, older man, treat him like a father, younger men as brothers. And then he says, older women as mothers and younger women as sisters in all purity. And he's talking about this familial relationship that we have in Christ, right? He's saying, yeah, they're not your mother and your father. They're not really your brother and sister, maybe biologically or, you know, through adoption or whatever. They may not be your real family the way we define family. But he says in the body of Christ, this is how we treat each other with that level of honor and respect. And so people use that verse a lot to treat younger women as sisters and all purity. And that's important, but it's a part of a bigger context, like of honor. You treat older men like fathers. You don't talk crazy to people who are older than you, regardless of what you think about them. You treat older women as mothers. It's respect. It's deference. You treat younger men as brothers and younger women as sisters. He's trying to say, if you honor your family, that should affect the way you engage with them. And so that and that means that at some level, even if I have a desire and I... I still maybe I can't get a handle on my desire. We working through it, Lord. I'm struggling today. But man, I love my brother in Christ. I love my sister in Christ more than my desire. And so even if I'm wrestling, why would I want to drag them in to participate in my foolish desire or in, my, in the in the expression of my desire when I'm when I need to have restraint? Like there's an honoring there that not only um, says I'm going to ignore how I'm feeling and how the spirit is leading me, I'm going to pull somebody else into it. And so sexual integrity is not just about you as an individual, um, you know, remaining pure. It is about how you treat those you're engaging with as well. And I find it fascinating as a side note. And we talk about this in a couple of our books. We have books available on our website about dating and stuff. 
I find it fascinating that this is all instruction to a male. He's saying, here's how you treat older men. Here's how you treat a father. Here's how you treat a, a woman who's older as a mother and the younger sisters in all purity. Because men really um, have a responsibility to set the tone for that. And so they they should be setting the tone that women are responsible. We and, and in this day and age, we so bold and we so free that we initiate a whole bunch of foolishness on our own. So you're not it's not that you're not responsible, but men have a charge to say, hey, I'm setting the tone. And so here's how we're going to honor each other. And that honor comes up not just in how we engage about inappropriate topics in in sexual conversations. It comes up in how you date. You should be able to date someone and do it in such an honoring way that if you decide, you both decide that this is not going to lead to marriage, that no one is dishonored. No one is dishonored. They don't have to not be in the room with you ever again. They don't have to leave the church or leave the organization or not come to the friends gatherings anymore. It should be done in a way that there's honor. You can honor people um, even when there's a, a, a decision to go a different direction. And this honor is for the rest of your life because in marriage, you need to be able to honor your spouse as a brother or sister in Christ. There are going to be times where the husband is not coming through for you. That he's not doing white as a, he's not doing right as a husband. There's gonna be times where the wife is not doing right. She's not acting right as a wife, and it becomes so difficult sometimes to to relate to each other as husband and wife. But always we are brother and sister in Christ. There's times where I don't want to talk to my husband. But I want to pray for my brother in Christ. And it is only by the grace of God that I can remove myself from however I'm feeling in a situation and still say, but that's my brother in Christ. And also, I want him to be healthy and I want to pray for, you know, his restoration, his growth. And and Conway does the same for me. And when he's not feeling feeling me as wife because I'm acting up, I'm acting crazy, saying what I want to say, doing whatever, all the many things that I do. Um there's still something that says, but that's still my sister in Christ, which is how you can still want good for someone, even if even if you guys are not in a good place. And that's how marriage keeps going, because if everything is about y'all being in a good place and everybody's fulfilling their roles to perfection, you can hang it up. At some point, it's going to boil down to this level of honor that Paul is telling Timothy about. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. That means I pray for my husband, not just for what my husband can do for me, how I want my husband to change. My heart is heavy for my husband and his relationship with God and vice versa. So this honor is not just for dating. It's not just for sexual integrity. It is the identity of the believer. And so I want to encourage you as you're thinking about raising the bar that Expose those secrets. Tell God what's really in your heart. Tell some community that you can trust. Raise the standard, y'all. Intercourse is a really low bar. There's a whole lot of ways that we can violate integrity and still um, not have intercourse. And and then understand what God has called, um, how God has called us to view sex and the purpose of it and knowing that there is a greater goal than just denying you for, for whatever season you might be in. There's something bigger, and that's saying yes to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, walking in integrity, having the identity that God has created you for that is going to supersede every season, single or married. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, make sure leave a comment, leave a review, share, subscribe, all the things, and we'll catch you next time.